Our reading this morning is from John 14. Jesus, the way to the Father. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where where I am, and you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Lord, we just pray for Stephen as he comes and opens up this passage to us. We pray that you will bless him, bless this word, and bless us with what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Mel. Good morning, everyone. Or should I say, morning? (laughs) I hope you've all had a wonderful Christmas. Our Minister Lou is having a well-deserved Sunday off, which means that you've got me instead. Hope that's okay. But if it isn't, don't worry. Like 2023, I will soon be finished. So here we are on the last day of the year. And I don't know about you, but every time we come to this day each year, I I sort of have mixed feelings, really. There's a little bit of looking back, isn't there, as as Mel has reminded us this morning. We look back over the year that's just ending, and I'm sure, like me, you've got mixed feelings. There's, There's a lot to be thankful for. God has blessed us. He's been good to us. He's provided for us. We're still here. That's a good thing. We have so much to be thankful for, but there's also those mixed feelings, the things perhaps we didn't do so well, the things we should have done but didn't do, the things we did badly, the things we regret, mixed feelings. And I guess as we come to a new year, we begin to look forward as well to what the future holds. And again, uh, probably mixed feelings. A little bit of excitement at the prospect of new beginnings, but also a little bit of apprehension Because, let's face it, we don't really know what 2024 is going to bring for any of us. Stepping into the unknown can be quite nerve-wracking sometimes. It, It can make us a bit anxious, can't it? But at least we know that we step into the unknown in the in the hands and the arms of a loving Heavenly Father who knows us and who we know and love. I want to start this morning with a few statistics, just the thing to blow away the Christmas cobwebs. When I was training for the ministry in 1980, gosh, a long time ago now, at Regent's Park College in Oxford, we were told that only around 10% of the population of the UK ever attended a Christian church. The latest figures 
from just a, a year or so ago say that that percentage is now down to about 5%. In fact, 4.7% in England, a little higher in Scotland. And the numbers of young people who ever attend church are even more concerning because the decline has been even steeper. The UK is now one of the most faithless nations in the world. Only about 30% of people in the UK describe themselves as religious, whatever that means, in any sense of the word. That makes us one of the most secular countries in the world. Now, if you think about it, if only 5% of the population of this country ever attends a church, that means 95% don't ever attend a church, which makes us very much the minority. In fact, we're a bit of a rarity. We're so thankful that we belong to a, a, a lively, loving, welcoming church fellowship, but in terms of the wider community, we're very much the odd ones out. For many people as Christians, we are seen as strange, if not downright peculiar. Why is that? Why are so many people not interested in the Christian faith. Let's be honest, we've been celebrating Christmas, but for the vast majority of people, Christmas doesn't really have anything to do with Jesus or with Christianity. It's just a chance to have a party. I think, for one thing, a lot of people think Christianity is boring. They think that being a Christian means going to deadly dull services, listening to deadly dull sermons <laughs> from deadly dull preachers. And there's nothing new in that. The, the writer Robert Louis Stevenson once wrote these words in his diary. An amazing thing has happened. I have been to church today and I am not depressed. <laughs> Sadly, quite often people have had bad experiences of church from their childhood and they dismiss the whole thing as boring. Secondly, I think a lot of people think that Christianity is quite simply untrue. They think that no one has ever been able to prove that God exists. Therefore, they conclude that God doesn't exist. Of course, the opposite is also true. No one's ever been able to prove that God does exist or doesn't exist. And that's why, of course, we rely so much on faith. Faith is what matters because if you could prove God's existence, you wouldn't need faith, would you? And God requires us to have faith, to trust in him. But people dismiss our faith. They dismiss the resurrection as a fantasy. People just don't rise from the dead, they, they decide, and so they dismiss Christianity as wishful thinking or a myth. A lot of people have decided that Christianity just is not true. And then thirdly, I think for many people, Christianity is just irrelevant. It seems somehow detached from their everyday lives and from reality. They simply don't really care about this Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago. They aren't interested in our hymns or our songs or our prayers or what we do in our churches. They just can't see how anything of it has anything to do with them. There may be other reasons why people don't come to church, but I think those are the big three. They think that Christianity is boring, that it's untrue, that it's irrelevant. But despite these objections, Jesus continues to be 
one of the most fascinating and greatly loved people who has ever lived. The Bible is still the most widely read book in the whole world, the best-selling book every year. And despite what people in the UK may think, millions of people all around the world are happy to be known as disciples of Jesus, often at enormous cost to themselves. The worldwide church is growing at a fantastic rate. It's estimated that approximately one-third of the population of this world would call themselves Christians. So when you think about it, this man who only lived to the age of 33, who died on a Roman cross as a criminal, never went to college, never wrote a book, never wrote a song, never led an army, never left his own little country. This Jesus is the person who has had the most effect on our world out of anyone who's ever lived. And if Christianity is so boring and untrue and irrelevant, then why are so many people in Africa and in Asia and in America, and yes, even in Europe, so passionate about serving him and honouring and worshipping him? Why are so many people willing to suffer and even die for their faith in Jesus? Well, as we begin our journey into 2024 and we prepare for whatever the future may hold, I want to just look briefly this morning at at what Jesus said in those verses that Mel read for us just now when he said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We've been celebrating Jesus' birth this last week, haven't we? We've been remembering the baby born in Bethlehem. But I think today would be a good opportunity just to think about who this baby was, why he came, who he claimed to be. And if he was right, if this baby born in Bethlehem really is the way, the truth, and the life, then how we respond to him is actually the most important question that any of us will ever ask ourselves. So let's look at Jesus' statement in John 14, verse 5. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let's start with I am the way. Jesus said, I am the way. When I was about 18, I got a summer job working in a factory, making crash helmets and trays with an injection molding machine. And on my first day, I was pretty nervous. I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. So the supervisor said, I'll take you through it. He said, here's your machine. You press that button. You measure a scoop of powder, you put it in there, you close the door, you pull that lever, you count to 30, you open the door, remove the tray, trim the edges, stack them over there, start all over again. Under no circumstances, put your hand there or there. Push that button, only in an emergency, on and on it went for about five minutes. And finally he said, right, have you got all that? And I said, no. And he said, good, because if you'd said yes, I wouldn't have believed you. Now let's go over it again. I'll take you through it and I'll stay with you until I'm confident you know what you're doing. For the next half an hour, an hour or so, he took me through the whole process again and again till I got the hang of it. And then he watched me do it a few more times before he left me on my own. When Jesus says, I am the way, he doesn't just mean he wants to tell us about the way or point to the way. He wants to show us. He wants to come with us on our journey. He wants to be our friend and companion 
our guide and our teacher. You see, when you start a life with Jesus, you start a life like no other. It's an adventure. Following the way, walking with Jesus is a life of adventure. Boring? I don't think so. Following Jesus is a journey into the unknown, a journey full of learning new things, seeing life in new ways, and always, always with Jesus by your side and in your heart. When Nikki and I first got married, we had one of those tiny little portable black and white televisions. That's the only thing we could afford at the time. It was very old. It didn't have an aerial, not a proper aerial anyway. It had one of those ones you had to sort of stand on a chair, you remember, and sort of wave your arm about till you could find a vague sort of picture on it. And it was always fuzzy. There were always lines and dots flying around and the sound was terrible. But that was all we could afford at the time. And then a few years later, Nikki got a job. <laughs> I was still in college, but she got a job. And at last we could afford a proper television, a proper color one with a real aerial. It was amazing. The difference was incredible. We could actually see what we were watching. We could hear the sound. It was fantastic. What a difference it made to have a clear picture and no interference. And that's the difference that Jesus makes. He helps us to see things that we've never seen before. He helps us to experience God's love in a completely new way. Once we've got to know Jesus, we'll never want to go back to life without him. Just I never want to go back to one of those terrible little old televisions. Because he helps us to see what life is all about. Why we have been put here on this earth. Jesus is the way. The only one who can give us a purpose and a meaning and a direction in our lives. Then Jesus says, I am the truth. How do you know when something's true or not? Well, the answer these days is you Google it. That's what everyone does, isn't it? If you want to know something's true, you Google it, or you look on Wikipedia. Apparently, I read recently, even some doctors now occasionally use Wikipedia to check for information about various conditions, not something to fill a patient with confidence. I don't know what your family's like over Christmas, but my family, when we all get together, we like to have a good friendly argument. Not a nasty argument, but you know, a, a friendly disagreement, a sort of banter really, but we can argue about all sorts of things. You know, who won the FA Cup in 2017, or, or you know, who was in that film about pirates? We can, we can keep it going for ages. But not these days because of Google. It spoilt the whole thing, you know. We used to have three days of arguing about something. Now someone just Googles it and now we know the answer. Where's the fun in all that? But can you really trust Google or Wikipedia? Are they really truthful all the time? I think the answer to that is no. Wikipedia is compiled by human beings with all their faults and weaknesses, and sometimes they get things wrong. Sometimes people set out to deliberately deceive, and I'm not sure it's a good idea to trust everything you read on the internet. So who can I trust? Who will actually tell me the truth? Who will let me know things as they really are? Who will never mislead me, but will always tell me the truth? 
Well, there are people you can trust. I'm sure you've got people in your life that you would trust completely and absolutely to tell you the truth, at least as far as they understand it. But I think there's only one person who ever claimed to be the truth, and that's Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't just tell people the truth with his words, although he did do that. His words and his teaching were amazing. He spoke the truth with such authority that people said, we've never heard teaching like this, no one has ever spoken like this before. No, he didn't just tell the truth. He actually conveyed the truth through his whole personality, through his very character, the life he led, the things he did, the sacrifices he made, the love he shared. All of these were an expression of God's ultimate truth. In Jesus, the truth became a man. Christianity is a faith built on the truth. To be a Christian doesn't mean you have to kiss your brains goodbye, if you've even got any brains to start with. It doesn't mean you have to believe things that aren't true. We believe that our faith is true. There is evidence for it. Good reasons for believing what we believe. In one of his letters, Paul talks about the resurrection of Jesus, and he says, if Christ did not raise from the dead, our preaching is futile. And so is your faith. In other words, there is evidence for our faith, and, and if it's not true, we're all wasting our time. But then he says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. It's true. These things really happened. Our faith is built on truth. Being a Christian means not just believing certain facts to be true, but knowing the one who is the truth, having a relationship with him, allowing him into every part of your life. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Thirdly, Jesus says, I am the life. Most of us would probably think we're nice people. You look like really nice people. As I stand at the front here this morning looking around, lots of nice faces. I'm sure you live nice lives. And I think we all like to think of ourselves as nice people. Our lives are pretty good. Compared to others, we don't go around stealing or hurting people. We don't attack old ladies or kick the dog. <laughs> we, we may not be perfect, but maybe we're a 7 or an 8 out of 10. At least we're not a 2 or a 3 like some others. Problem with that is we're comparing ourselves with the wrong thing. It's easy to compare yourselves with people who are worse than you. But what if we compare ourselves with Jesus? If Jesus is the life, then shouldn't we be looking to him to be our model and our comparison? The Bible tells us that Jesus is actually the standard against which all other lives are compared. But once you start comparing yourself with Jesus, you're in trouble. You start to understand just how much is lacking in your own life, just how much is wrong with you. The selfishness, the greed, the insecurities, the pride, all these things that make us sinners. We need forgiveness. And Jesus is the only one who can give it. As he says in verse 5, no one comes to the Father except through me. The way to the Father, the way to forgiveness, to healing and wholeness is through Jesus. 
He died for us. On the cross, he gave his life so that we can have life. That's why he says, I am the life. Another time he said, I have come that you might have life in all its fullness. Can I tell you a story about, I enjoy telling this story because it's one of those rare times when something really nice has happened to me out of the blue. Some years ago, I went to a meeting in London, a good Baptist meeting up in a, a church in central London, and then when the meeting was over, it was sort of late afternoon, and I thought, you know what, I'm in London, why not go to a show? A West End show, and there was a particular musical on at that time that I really wanted to see, and so I went along to the box office to see if I could get a ticket. Unfortunately, the box office was closed, there was no one around, but someone walking past said, if you come back about seven, the box office will be open, you'll be able to get a ticket. So I went off and had something to eat, came back at seven, and the box office was open, but the man there said, I'm terribly sorry, the theatre has been booked for a private performance tonight. It's not open to the public. Apparently a, a big multinational company had, taken, had booked the whole theatre, West End Theatre, for their uh, staff, and it was their Christmas party, and there was going to be a full performance, free food and drink for their staff, and no one else was allowed to go in. And I was really quite annoyed, and I, I said to the man at the box office, you know, I wish I'd known that, I could have gone somewhere else, but it's too late now to get a ticket for anything else. And the man looked at me and he said, go on, you can go in. And I said, how much? And he said, no charge. In you go. So for the next three and a half hours, I had a wonderful time at a party, basically. I didn't know anyone else there. But there was free food like you've never seen in your life. Free drinks and a fantastic musical performance in which we were actually invited up onto the stage to join the performance. And there I was sitting on the stage in a West End theatre with a musical going on all around me. I had the night of my life, not something that normally happens to me. I don't know if you're planning to have a New Year's Eve party tonight. But here's the, what I want to say. Jesus invites you and me to come to the party. To be a part of all that he's doing. On more than one occasion, Jesus used parties as an illustration of the kingdom of heaven. Not far-fetched at all. He wants to invite us all to come and join the party. Join the celebration. Share in the life and the joy of his kingdom. Come and join the celebration. We sang it the other day. And there's no charge. It's all free. He is the life. No one can give life like Jesus can. You have to accept the invitation, though. You have to say, yes, Lord, I'll come. And I'll join the party. Thank you, Jesus. If you haven't said yes, to Jesus, if you haven't accepted the life that only he can give and started the adventure of a life with him, then maybe today would be a good time for you to start that journey. Starting a new year with God would be a great thing to do. Now, maybe some people think Christianity is boring or untrue or irrelevant, but Jesus says, I am the way. The way to find real meaning and purpose to find out why you've been put here on this earth and what you're supposed to be doing, how you should be living. I am the way. And Jesus says, I am the truth. 
the one who, who won't lie to you, the one who won't just tell you the truth, but who embodies the truth in his whole being. And Jesus says, I am the life. You can trust in me. You'll find in me your life is an incredible adventure of discovery and growth. And so I guess the question is, what are we going to do about it? As we say goodbye to 2023 with all its blessings and all its sadnesses, get ready to start a new year that will, I'm sure, be full of joys and heartaches, this could be a great time for each one of us to reaffirm, or perhaps for the first time, to affirm our faith, our commitment to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, the light of the world, as we've been singing this morning. Let Jesus not only show you how he wants you to live, but ask him to come along with you on the way, to walk with you wherever life takes you. Let Jesus help you to walk in his truth, to live with integrity and honesty and righteousness because you know that his love and his grace are real and true as the foundations of all you are. And ask Jesus to fill you with his life, the life of his kingdom, the life that's overflowing with grace and peace and joy. Friends, I wish you all a, a very happy new year. And I pray that in 2024, you will be able to follow the way, to know the truth, and to live the life in all its fullness. The life that only Jesus can give. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus is our saviour our friend, our companion, our teacher and our guide and our Lord. Thank you that he is the way, the truth and the life. As we sit here today on this last day of 2023, we ask you to come into our hearts afresh. We affirm that we love you, that we trust you and that we want to walk in your way your truth and your life. We pray for those who think that the Christian faith is boring or untrue or irrelevant. Maybe some in our own families who do not know you. Lord, we pray that you will open their eyes, challenge their preconceptions and melt their hearts by the warmth of your amazing love. And Father, as we journey into a new year of opportunity and of service, may we know the encouragement and the blessing of your constant loving presence with us in all the ups and downs that are sure to come in the months ahead. Lord, be the peace at the centre of our hearts and of our homes and of our church fellowship. Bless Lou and the church's leaders and give them wisdom and grace in all that they do. Be the peace at the center of our world where all around there is brokenness and hurt and pain. May your peace reign in those places where there is conflict and division and suffering. Heal our world, Lord. Heal our world. 
Lord, forgive our many faults and weaknesses, and by your Holy Spirit, empower us to live for your glory, proclaiming boldly the message of hope in Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And to him be all honour and glory in 2024 and for all eternity. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.